Thank you so much for joining us, especially the moms that are here. Um, we are, are so thankful. You know, I, I love my mom, I love my grandma, my wife, my mother-in-law. So thankful for, for all of them. Um, but I thought uh, to honor moms this morning, I thought I'd bring back another round of Johnny jokes. Uh, my son Johnny is nine years old and uh, he's got some jokes about moms. So here we go. All right. Um, First, these are real cheesy. I don't know if I'll get through it. I start to laugh at these. They're, they're so cheesy and bad that they're good. Um, here we go. First one. Why did the baby strawberry cry? Because, because his mom was in a jam. All right. This, is, this one's bad. What did the baby corn say to the mama corn? Where's popcorn? That's very good. Thank you, Paula. That's like a joke you would say at the business meeting, Paula. There we go. All right, last one. This is my favorite of all, all right? <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> what, what do you call a mom who can't draw? What do you call a mom who can't draw? Ready? Tracy. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I love it so much. All right, there you go. A few Johnny jokes to get Mama's Day started for us. Um, here you go. I've been preaching for, uh, for many years now, and uh, here's what I know about preaching on Mother's Day, okay? Like, no matter what I preach on, I'm in trouble, right? That's the way it is on Mother's Day, because here's what, here's what happens. If I, if I do preach on issues related to motherhood, then, you know, some people are going to be upset about that. If I don't preach on issues related to motherhood, somebody's going to be upset about that. So here's what I've decided to do um, when it comes to preaching. Um, I've, I've just decided to quit. I'm kidding. Um, but I am going on vacation with Rachel later today, so we're going to be gone for a week and we're going to have a great time. But here's what I've actually decided to do uh, when it comes to preaching on motherhood um, on, uh, on, on Mother's Day. Um, some years I'll preach on it, some years I won't. Uh, this year I've decided, okay, it's going to be too controversial to preach on motherhood issues, so instead I've decided to preach on the totally non-controversial topic of money. Uh, so that's what we're going to get into today. Um, this is week two of our four-part sermon series on money. We're calling it Dollars and Cents. And in this series, we're asking God to help us believe rightly about money. Uh, last week, we talked about our problem with money. And we saw from 1 Timothy chapter 6 that the problem with money um, is, is the fact that we can love it, right? Like, so really, actually, the problem with money is not money. The problem with money is our hearts and that our hearts can be so drawn to, to love worldly riches. And so what do we know? When we love anything more than we love God, then we have an idol of our hearts. And so that's what we talked about last week, that the problem with money isn't money, it's our own hearts. This week, we want to talk about not the problem of money, but we want to talk about God's perspective on money. And I use the word perspective um, very intentionally here. And the reason why is because of the way uh, we read things in Matthew chapter 6. So in Matthew chapter 6, we have two classic passages that we're very familiar with when we talk about money. I just want to read the first one to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21 says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, you guys finish it, there your 
heart will be also, right? Like many of us, we can repeat that because we've, we've heard this teaching. We're familiar with this passage. We memorized this passage. Uh, that's the first one. Here's the second one we're very familiar with. Just skip down a few verses to uh, Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, right? So here are our two Classic passages. People are very familiar with these. Verses 19 through 21 and then verse 24. Many of us are so familiar with these that we can quote them, right? We probably have quoted them. You can finish the lines like you just did. But you know what we're not quite as familiar with is the verses that are sandwiched in between. Verses 22 and 23. I want to read these together. Matthew 6 verse 22 through 23 says this. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Right, so here, what do we have Jesus talking about here? We have Jesus talking about eyes and lamps and light and darkness, right? So Jesus is talking about seeing, right? Uh, I, I, think, I think we'd all in this room agree that like, being able to see clearly is, is valuable, right? It's very important for us. Your body, our bodies know how to act and react largely dependent upon what we can see with our eyes, right? If you, if you, if you see clearly, your body functions properly. If you can't see clearly, your body tends to function poorly and to struggle a little bit. Um, how many of us in the room wear glasses or contacts? Hands up real quick. Let me see. All right, so like maybe half of us, right? So I got, I got glasses when I was in fifth grade. I remember being really nervous about getting glasses in fifth grade, but I remember putting them on for the first time and wearing them to school and being like, wait, that's what the basketball hoop looks like in gym class? Like all of a sudden I became like Michael Jordan. Like suddenly I could just play some ball. I remember thinking like, oh, that's why these other guys think this girl is so cute. Oh, okay, I got it here. Can finally see. It. All of us can like, we put on our glasses and we start to think like, oh, all right, I can, I can see clearly. It helps me function better. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus is teaching about money, like we just read, and he sandwiches between these teachings on money, he sandwiches this, uh, this short teaching on seeing clearly. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if we don't see clearly about money, then we will function poorly with money. If we don't see clearly about money, then we will function poorly with money. He wants us to see the right way. And, and when Jesus is talking about seeing here, he's, he's talking about uh, getting it, under, having understanding, perceiving, right? Believing properly, seeing it internally with our, with our mind's eye. Um, in other words, if I could just say it very clearly, Jesus wants us to have God's perspective on money. Jesus wants us to have God's perspective on money. He wants us to see clearly. The way I wanna walk through this teaching on Matthew 6 is I just wanna break it down into three sections. I want us to talk about why money is given to us. Secondly, what money actually is. And then third, how money is to be used. All right, so those are our three sections. Why money is given to us, what money actually is, and how money is to be used. I believe that we're gonna leave here today by God's grace with seeing God's perspective on all three of those things, and Lord willing, if we take God's right perspective on money, then we will be able to live properly with money. All right, so let's get into the first one. Why money is given to us. 
Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. All right, so Jesus says, you know, use your treasure to, to lay up treasures in heaven. All right, so I think we all understand that. At a very basic level, we know that God gives us money for the basic necessities of life, food, shelter, clothing. I think we all, we get that. That's not an issue. I think if you've studied the Bible, you also understand that God gives us money and we do other things w- with it. Like he, we, God gives us all things richly to enjoy. We read that last week in 1 Timothy 6. You read the book of Proverbs, you see that there's wisdom in saving money for the difficult seasons of life. You, you start to read other passages and you see that there's actually value in saving for an inheritance to give to your children and things like that. But the question that I think we can struggle with, and especially here as American Christians, is this. Why does God give us wealth and money and riches beyond our basic needs? Uh, of not just living, but also the basic needs of saving, okay? Why does God give us wealth beyond our basic needs? And the answer is this. God gives us earthly treasure so that we can gain heavenly treasure. God gives us earthly treasure so that we can gain heavenly treasure. God doesn't give us earthly treasure just so we can store up more earthly treasure for ourselves. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus teaches a parable that actually drives home this point even more. I want us to just kind of flip over there to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. And I want to read this particular passage for us. It says this, and Jesus said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. All right, so what do we got going on here? We, we have Jesus giving a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In this earthly story, there's a man who's you know, he's having a successful business here. He's, he's a farmer. His crop is growing, which, you know, he, he's, he, he's got all this excess coming in and he's trying to figure out what to do with it because God has blessed him and produced a harvest, which by the way, little side note, I want to reiterate something we talked about last week. Guys, it's not wrong for us to have prosperous businesses. In, in many ways, that's a very good blessing from the Lord, just like the farmer here. It's not wrong or sinful for you to get a promotion or a raise, um, for you to make investments off your, pro- uh, make money and profit off your investments. The question is this, what will you do when the excess comes in? What will you do when the excess comes in? And Jesus goes on in this parable and he says that that this, this man, this farmer who had a good year, says, he said to himself, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store up all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night, Your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So this is Jesus' parable. What do we do when excess comes in? And the, the point of the parable is made clear right at the very beginning. What did Jesus say? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, right? 
Jesus had to say that. Jesus was saying that to the crowds. This, this got recorded in scripture. Uh, this might seem almost elementary for us, but you know what? If we didn't need this, it wouldn't have been recorded in the Bible. If people didn't need to hear this, Jesus would have never had to say it. Because here's what we know. Jesus gives us the truth. The truth sets us free. Satan wants to deceive us in lies. Satan's lies will keep us in captivity. And one of the lies that Satan will come to us and want to speak into our minds and into our hearts is that, you know what? Um, you know, if, if you just save up and store up an abundance of your possessions, then you're going to have a really good life. You'll be able to eat, drink, and be merry and be totally comfortable, and that's what the good life is all about. Satan comes up to you and says, don't, don't, don't let go of anything, store it up, because then you'll be able to have real abundant life. Church family, we need to get on the same page with Jesus right now. We need to avoid and not buy into the lie that the enemy wants us to believe, and that is that real life comes with an abundance of possessions. In fact, we need to get on the same page with Jesus and start becoming aware that if we believe that lie, it actually can cost us our soul. Isn't that what Jesus just said here? That that day the, the man's soul was demanded of him? Jesus says that, that God referred to this man who just stored up all his goods. He says, you're a fool. By living this way, your, your life is gonna be demanded of you. That's why Jesus, later on in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 26, it's why Jesus would say, hey, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? The answer is, it would profit him nothing. There's no greater gain. There's no long-term uh, you know, uh, uh, win. There's nothing beneficial in the long run to gaining this world and yet giving up our soul. It profits us nothing. So God doesn't give us riches in order to be rich toward ourselves. God gives us riches to be rich toward him. Be rich toward God, the parable says. What does that mean, be rich toward God? Here's what it means to be rich towards God. It means using our riches to show that God is more valuable than riches. It means using your riches to move toward the things that God cares about. It means using our riches to be all about the glory of God being made known on this earth and his kingdom coming to bear. Here's what it means to be rich towards God on a practical level. It means giving financially of our treasure to truly faithful God-centered churches and leaders. It means using our money to give towards missionaries who are taking the gospel to other parts of the world so that God's glory can be covering this earth the way the water covers the sea. So that every people from every tribe, tongue, and nation can know God. To be rich toward God means giving to, to those who are truly needy in and around us. To be rich toward God means giving of our finances to support things like uh, widows and orphan care. These types of things where we know that the fatherless and the widow, they are close to the heart of God. So to be rich toward God means to spread your money out amongst the things that, that God cares about, not to store it up for yourself. I once heard Dave Ramsey say this. Uh, I think he was quoting somebody else when he said it, but you know Dave Ramsey, if you're familiar with him, super blunt, kind of raw in the way he talks. And he says, uh, money is like manure. He says, if you pile it up, it just stinks. If you spread it around, though, it actually makes things grow. Right? And he kind of goes on with that. He, you know, the, the reality is that real life 
isn't produced by the storing up of our possessions. Real life comes by using and giving away our possessions to become rich toward God. God gives us riches to show that he is better than riches. We're talking about the why, right? Why money is ever given to us, here's why. Here's the main point, here's the point here. God gives us earthly treasure so that we can build up heavenly treasure. That's why God gives us money. Right? That's, we've got to get on the same page about that right away. Well, let's also see in this text what money actually is. What money is, right? Matthew chapter six again, verse 21. Here's what Jesus says about money. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We touched on this verse and I uh, mentioned a few things about it last week so I won't take too much time on this point but at surface value, guys, at at a very superficial level, really what is money, right? Money is paper and ink. It's metal coins. It's electronic figures on a bank account or a report. That's what money is on a very surface level. On one hand, that's what it is. On the other hand, Jesus says there's a much deeper meaning towards what money is. Jesus is saying that money is an indicator of our heart's value. It's, money is an indicator of the things we value in our heart. Jesus says that our hearts and our money, they go hand in hand. Wherever one goes, the other goes. So yes, on one, on one hand, money is just kind of numbers and metal and paper. In our culture, that's what we've made it to be. We've decided that money is currency. So what do we do with currency? We take this paper and metal and number, electronic numbers, and we trade them for other things, right? We, we exchange them for the things that we want. Money indicates, actually, the way we spend money indicates what we value. So I know this is really basic, but sometimes we gotta get back to the basics so that we kind of don't lose the fundamentals. Guys, money indicates what we value. And again, what do we, we all value staying alive, right? So we spend money on food. We all value staying warm. So we buy clothes. We all value kind of being protected from the elements outside. So we, uh, we buy a place to live or we spend money on having a shelter to live. Those are the basics, but the reality is that God gives us so much more than we, we need just for the basics of life. And so we have all this other money, so we spend it on the things that we value. We don't just want food. We like food that tastes good, so we spend a little extra money on you know, our value of having tasty food. We, we, uh, we like um, keeping up a certain image at our job. We don't want to lose our job, you know, so we follow the dress code. Maybe we have a certain image we want to portray to other people, so we don't just buy any old clothes. We want to buy certain types of clothes because we value certain things. We don't just value having a shelter over our heads for our families and our children, but we value things like safety for our children. We value uh, education for them. So we, we buy, we value that. So we buy houses and properties and places where we can have safety and education. We value our education. We value career. So we spend money on college education and certifications. We value being able to go from point A to point B, so we buy a car, and sometimes we don't just want to be transported from point A to point B, but we want to do so quickly, so we value 
our time, so we'll pay for plane tickets. I mean, all sorts of things. We value making memories and spending time with our family, so we do activities together and take vacations and go to the movies and different things that we do. Money is an indicator of what we value in our hearts. That's what money is. That's what Jesus is saying here. Your heart goes where your money goes. Your money goes where your heart goes. Money is an indicator of the thing you value in your heart. That's what money is. So how is money to be used? How is money to be used? Jesus says this, and again, back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is saying that our money is to be used in service, right? It's to be used to serve a master. And if you're a Christian in the room, we all know this, but God is our master. And if we understand God as our master, then we understand ourselves to be his servants, right? God wants his servants to serve him faithfully in every aspect of our life, including our financial aspect of our life. So when it comes to how we use money and resources, we are to use it as stewards, not as owners. This is really important for us. We are to use money as stewards, not as owners. Steward's kind of an old-fashioned word. What's a steward? Uh, A steward is a servant. Uh, A steward is one that is entrusted with resources that belong to someone else. And they're to use them for the pleasure of that owner. The goal of a steward is to utilize uh, whatever's given to them by the owner for the owner's pleasure. So when it comes to money and resources, God has made us to use money and resources as stewards, not owners. But guys, just think about the way that we talk about our money all the time, our finances, our financial plans. You know, we... We, in our language, we refer to my money and my wealth. We, we talk about this all the time as if we're the owner, which I know some people, whenever I've preached this before, have said, oh, come on, Jason, this is just kind of semantics and tomato, tomato, you're getting too hung up on words. I would say this, let's, let's take seriously the fact that Jesus says that out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. Our words are very important. Sometimes they indicate more about what we actually believe in our hearts than we think. So we need to be careful about the way we think and speak about money. God made us to be stewards, not owners, which means, guys, uh, all the money that we have isn't ours. All the money that we have in our possession, it isn't ours. It all belongs to God. Everything on this earth belongs to God. The the world is God's. I just want to share with you some quick reminders from scripture about God's ownership of everything. God owns everything. Psalm chapter 24 verse one says this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. 
Second Chronicles 29, verse 11 and 12. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. Job 41, verse 11. Who, this is God speaking here, God speaking to Job. Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Psalm 50, verse 11, verse 10 through 12. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Guys, this is so basic, but everything in this world belongs to God. Everything, everything. Remember the old song? If you grew up in church, you might have learned this old song called This Is My Father's World. I still love that old song. The words to that old song say this, this is my father's world and to my listening ears all nature sings and around me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees of skies and seas, his hand, the wonders wrought, right? This is God's world. Everything in it belongs to him. We were created to be stewards. This is the way it was from the very beginning, right? This isn't just some new thought that Jesus kind of broke out on the scene when he came on the earth 2,000 years ago. This is the way God made it to be from the very beginning, the book of Genesis. What do we read about in Genesis 1? That God made the world and everything was in it, and then he made man to have dominion of the earth, to subdue it, the scripture says, to take care of the garden, to name the animals, to cultivate the earth. So from the start, God makes resources, and he has people manage resources, He is creator. He has the full rights of ownership. We, therefore, are stewards, right? We have the full rights of stewardship. We've got to get on the same page about this or or really everything else that we're going to teach in the rest of this series is just going to be misunderstood. Understanding that God owns everything and we are stewards, it's almost like buttoning the top button of your shirt, right? Like if you miss that one up, your shirt's going to end up all cattywampus, right? It's just going to be messed up. You want to make sure that you get the foundational point in order. There's a story about John Wesley. Some of you know about John Wesley. Maybe some of you don't. John Wesley was a famous preacher who lived in the 1700s. Had an, he was raised kind of as a religious guy, but around age 30, mid-30s, he had a very radical conversion and uh, became just a man on fire for the Lord. And uh, he traveled around Europe and you know, initiated all these great, really, revivals and traveling preachers that would you know, really uh, travel around the world preaching the gospel. And he, the Lord really convicted him about his, uh, his propensity to cling on to his earthly treasures. The story goes that one time there was a man who came up to John Wesley and said, Mr. Wesley, Mr. Wesley, something terrible has happened. Your house has burned to the ground. John Wesley's response was, oh no, the Lord's house burned to the ground. That's just one less responsibility for me, right? That was his response. Okay, now we say, oh, come on now. You know, but really, what does that indicate about the heart of John Wesley? 
that he understood money, resources, possessions. He understood they were all gods. They didn't really belong to him. When it comes to money, we are stewards, not owners. And I feel burdened in my heart to just kind of speak to this for a moment because I think we need to address an issue that tends to come up in our American kind of historical perspective where some of us will say, or even if we don't say it with our mouth, we'll think things like this, like, what do you mean my money isn't mine? I've worked hard for this. I'm diligent in my work. I've earned this. So how dare you tell me my money's not mine? Um, I understand that point of view. I can wrestle with that point of view myself. The Lord's convicting me on that. But I think it's important for us to understand what God teaches in his word. Remember the stories of the children of Israel. Back in the book of Exodus, right, they they get delivered out from the the slavery that they were under in Egypt. And uh, God miraculously worked the the plagues and all that to deliver them from from, uh, Egypt's... um, you know, harsh leadership of them. And they go and they start to wander in the wilderness and all through their wilderness wanderings, God miraculously provides for them water from a rock, manna from heaven. And so they see God's provision. While they're out wandering in the wilderness, God actually tells them, I'm gonna send you into a promised land. And when you get into that promised land, one day you're gonna have plenty. You're gonna have an excess of abundance of good things. But God, along with that promise, also gave them a warning. And he says, if you forget me, if you forget what I've done, then destruction is gonna come your way. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses 17 through 19 talks about this. I just wanna read this to us here and it it ties into our thinking about money. God is speaking to Israel and he says this, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Catch what God is saying right there. Like God is promising to give them plenty, but he's warning them not to get prideful. And part of avoiding the pride that comes with wealth and riches is remembering who it came from. Remembering who it came from. Verse 18 says, remember the Lord. Even when you have riches, remember the Lord because it's the Lord who actually gives you the power, the ability to make wealth. Guys, even in our American culture today, let's not forget, for everybody who's successful in this room, especially you, remember this. Even your ability to make money, even your financial savvy, your understanding of how to run a business and how to become successful, the ability to even have a mind that thinks that way, the hands and the might and the power to live that out, that all comes from God. Let's never forget where our blessings actually come from. Everything in this world comes from God. It's God who gives us the ability to make wealth and God could take away that ability just as quickly as he gave it. He's the master. We are the managers. So how are we to use money? We are to use money like stewards, not like owners, right? That's the the how of money. How is it to be used? We are to use money like stewards, not owners. I'll close today with a quick personal story about my mom on Mother's Day and then ask you a few application questions here at the end. But when I was growing up, 
my mom had this little saying that she would you know, say to me like all the time. If I was a teenager getting ready to leave the house, my mom would always come up to me. She'd pull me close. She'd look me in the eyes and she would say, son, remember who you belong to. Remember who you belong to. And I remember as a teenager, like that actually bugged me. <laughs> like it bothered me because I was like, oh mom, like you're being too possessive, right? Like I don't actually belong to you, mom. Like I'm, I'm my own man. Then I got older and realized my mom wasn't actually saying that I belonged to her. (laughs) My mom was saying, son, remember you belong to the Lord. Honor him with the way you live. (laughs) Church family, let's remember who we belong to. Let's remember who we belong to. This is God's world. This is God's world. He's the owner. We are just servants and stewards And let me say this to you. If you're a Christian in the room today, which almost every one of us who's here today would say that, if you're a Christian in the room today, it's not just your money that belongs to God. It's your whole life that belongs to God. See, the real issue with money isn't what you own. It's who owns you. It's who owns you. And if you're a Christian, let's not forget what God's word said. You, brothers and sisters, were bought with a price, purchased. Therefore, glorify God with your body. In this lifetime, while we've got this body to live on this earth, what are we to live for? We are to live for the glory of God. Why? Because we've been purchased. God has paid the ransom price for us. He's purchased us and brought us to himself, and the price he paid was the blood of his own son, Jesus. And we thank him so much for the great purchase price that was paid for our salvation. We are not our own. We are to glorify God in this body. We now have one master, the Lord, Jesus Christ. And here's why I say that. I think so much of our culture, especially our Christian culture, we're all about recognizing Jesus as a teacher. We love to recognize Jesus as a, a friend. We love to recognize Jesus even as a savior and a rescuer. I want to remind us all, Jesus is Lord, master. And when he's your Lord and master, we understand ourselves as servants and stewards, which leads to the first question that I want to ask you to consider today as we wrap up. First question, with the money I have, am I acting as an owner or a steward? With the money I have, am I acting as an owner or a steward? Does it even cross your mind every time you get a paycheck? Does it even cross your mind when you sit down to make your budget? Hey, this money belongs to the Lord. I'm stewarding it. How do I use it in a way that pleases him? Does that cross your mind? Do you give financially to the things of God? You know, I, re- I, remember, um, I remember when I got my first job after college and all of a sudden the paychecks that I, were give- that I was getting were in the thousands of dollars. And that meant like I had been kind of taught about tithing and stuff as a kid. So I had to decide like, am I gonna tithe now? Because that's like, if I give a 10th, that's hundreds of dollars I'm giving back to the Lord. And I remember thinking like hundreds is a lot. <laughs> I remember to this day being at Far Hills Baptist Church the first time I was really thinking about tithing. And I remember like kind of being nervous about it. Like, man, you know, I'm going to give hundreds of, what could I do with that hundreds of dollars? That was kind of a a decision point for me. And then I remember it hitting me somewhere along the way. It just hit me like, 
it's not just that 10% belongs to the Lord, 100% belongs to the Lord, right? So if he's given me 10, it shouldn't be really a big deal for me to give one back to him because, you know, get to keep nine, right? Like, like that, it's all his. What a generous God that he's given us like this. And then you start to learn more about tithing and generous giving and cheerful giving and all this. But you know what? The bottom line is we have to understand with the money that we have, we are stewards, not owners. Are we living that out? Question number two. Does my spending indicate that my heart is growing in love for God? Does my spending indicate that my heart is growing in love for God? I'm not really here today to tell you what percentage you should give back to the Lord or what dollar amount total you should give back to the Lord. Really, what I want to ask you is, what does your spending indicate about your heart? Is there, is there, is, is your money indicating that you love God at all? Is your, is there a, in the course of your life, is there a trajectory of increased giving towards the things that are on God's heart? Is your heart connected with him? Which leads to the third question. When the Lord judges the works of my life, will my spending have any eternal reward? When the Lord judges the works of my life, right? Let's not forget, like we're, if you're a Christian, you're not gonna come under condemnation and be sent to hell, but we still will be given account for the words of our mouth, for the actions and the deeds of our life, and the scripture teaches where we're gonna give an account to the Lord for those things. Not an account for our condemnation, but uh, an account that leads to eternal reward. So how does our spending tie into heavenly treasure rather than earthly treasure. In, in this world, I said this last week and you'll hear this from me from time to time. In this world, we're so caught up in our five-year plan. Let me encourage you with this. Don't just think about a five-year plan. Think about a five-million-year plan. You know, how will your spending affect the five-million-year plan? Remember the words of the missionary Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Guys, why does God give us money? Summarizing, recapping, why does God give us money? So that we can build heavenly treasure, not earthly treasure. What is money actually? Money is an indicator of what we value in our hearts. How are we to use money? We are to use money as stewards and servants of God, not as owners. That's God's perspective on money. We must embrace God's perspective of money because if we don't, see money rightly, we won't use money rightly. Let's embrace it from God's perspective. Use our money as stewards. And if you come back next Sunday, we're gonna be talking more about developing a stewardship plan, having a plan for stewarding our money. I hope you come back next week. Father, thank you for this time to open your word together. Uh, thank you, Lord, that your word speaks to the practical matters of life and really, Lord, the, the serious issue of money as an indicator of our hearts. Lord, I pray that as uh, time goes on in our church, Lord, I pray that you would give us all the courage to actually do some serious heart evaluation um, regarding the way we use the resources that you've blessed us with. Lord, I, there's gonna be temptation for people to leave this sermon today, go on with activities about Mother's Day and other things and just kind of disregard all this teaching. Lord, would you keep this in front of us? Let us have real, honest conversations about the way we use our money. 
give us open hearts that want to please you with the financial resources that you have blessed us. Let us live, Lord, to uh, invest in things that will last for eternity. Lord, let us live to use our money in such a way that shows the world that you, God, are better to us than money. Lord, that's what we really, we want that or we want to want that. Lord, so, Lord, get us there. Get us there to where we use our money to show the world that you are better than money. Lord, you are life. You are life, not our possessions. Lord, let us not just say it with our mouth, but live it out with our lives. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.